I'm Jamie Metzl. I'm with Dove Barron on his incredible Curiosity Bites podcast, where we're exploring the big issues, not just around the current coronavirus crisis. I know a lot of people are afraid, and we're going to talk about some very practical steps people can do, but also about the bigger issues. This is one of those defining moments in our lives. And how can we all think about being our best selves so that 50 years from now, when we tell the story of today to our grandkids, we can do so knowing that we inspired ourselves, we drove ourselves to do the right thing because we are going to get through this terrible, difficult time. And we're gonna to have to start rebuilding a new and we hope better world that is gonna come in the aftermath of what we're experiencing. Now's the time we can start building it when we must start building it. And I hope you'll join our conversation about how we can all be part of that process. Welcome back. I'm here with my guest, Jamie Metzl. Uh, he's served as advisory counsel for Walmart's Future of Retail uh, Policy Labs. He's a faculty member of Singularity University in the Exponential Medicine Conference, uh, was the chief strategy officer for a biotechnology company and even ran for, as we were just talking about, the US House of Representatives uh, back in 2004. So the guy's done a few, a couple of things. Uh, we're gonna carry on our conversation with him in a minute, um, particularly around the social distancing in community. If you'd like to join in this conversation, come on over to Facebook, find our group, it's Curiosity Bites on Facebook. Come and have a conversation with us. We're gonna chat right there. All right, Jamie, so welcome back and thank you again for being with us. Let's uh, let's go into this whole thing around uh, social distancing, the need for community. You wrote the article for CNN because we know uh, people have become uh, talking about loneliness. This is before the virus came. People were talking about loneliness. We had a higher levels of anxiety, social anxiety, loneliness, etc. in a hyper-connected world. And now even the physical distance has gone. It looks like that could be another level of mental health crisis is uh, on the brink. So we've got a financial economic crisis about to happen. We've got uh, obviously a viral one that's evident, but now we've also got the mental one of the PTSD, um, anxiety, et cetera. You've written about how to stay connected community-wise. Tell us a little bit, give us some, some guidance here. Yeah, so this is a new phase for us. Uh, human beings, it, our need for physical connectivity mm. is baked into our biology. I mean, there yeah. is a reason why we think of solitary confinement as a punishment, um, not yeah. as though well, that's going to be so great because so I'm downtime. Gonna, <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, or Buddhist, the path to Buddhist enlightenment. And maybe some people can do that, but for most humans, almost all humans, solitary confinement is deadly if, if yeah. we go through it uh, too long. Um, but as I mentioned earlier in our, uh, in our conversation, we've been virtualizing our lives since at least the beginning of the telegraph, probably before that with mail. Uh, mm -hmm. So that it used to be when you're in your little village um, or your little band, roving band of nomads, I mean, that was kind of it, this group of people around you. Now we do intimacy from a distance and it just seems so normal like this podcast or our social media or phone calling your mom or, or, or whatever. 
I, we, every, you know, I had thought as a quote unquote technology futurist that that trend was going to just continue and become more and more. But this is going to be, in my view, a quantum leap moment where we jump forward what otherwise we would have imagined for 20 years from now in that direction. As you mentioned, I'm on faculty for exponential medicine. So we have been talking for years about telemedicine, virtual health, AI doctors, and, and, and all of that. We're weeks away here in New York um, from having a shortage of doctors and nurses, not just because of the surge in patients, but because more of the doctors and nurses are going to be exposed and then have to go into quarantine. I mean, there was a story yesterday, the one paramedic tested positive and 15 paramedics then went into quarantine. I mean, how many players can you take off the field before you, you don't have it? Um, Amazon has their cashierless um, stores, but lots of stores are going to are going to go cashierless, as many of them already have, just to keep their their workers safe. So more and more of our lives are going to go virtual. More of us are going to be living. I posted last night about kind of your home is is your new restaurant, pied a terre, office, gym, battle station. It's kind of all these things in one. But if we don't reconstitute our society, if we don't have an emotional closening, a virtual emotional closening that can respond um, to our physical social distancing, uh, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. So this is a very, it's a really vital moment. I don't know if you or your, your viewers slash listeners um, have seen the, the remake of the Battlestar Galactica series, but the basic oh, yeah. premise is there's this small number of people who are out dedicating this old Battlestar as a museum, and then these Cylons who have people haven't heard of, have been around for decades, all of a sudden come out of nowhere and destroy all of Earth. So suddenly there's this small number of ships that are jumping around the universe, trying to reconstitute society from this little band and trying to say, well, what are the values that will guide it? And how do you, how do you live in the, not just mourning what's lost, but trying to build something for the, the future. So this world that we are living in now, and maybe it'll be a few months, maybe it'll be a year, maybe it'll be 18 months, who knows? Um, but we have to assume it's gonna last. Like if you're just waiting mm -hmm. around thinking, I'm just gonna wait and do nothing. And, and when things snap back, it'll just be as they were. I hope that that's true, but it could very well not be true. So now that we're doing this, how do we think differently about community? In my CNN.com article, I have seven strategies for, uh, for doing it, but some of them, for example, we, as I said, we have you know, tons of really smart retirees, socially isolated at home. Uh, in the old days, we threw them away on golf courses. It's my view that golf should be banned as a sport. We should make like community gardens on all golf courses because I don't want somebody who we, we society, we've invested 70 years in the development of someone's brain and then they retire and then they play golf. What a waste. Mm -hmm. These are contributing members of our society. So I was just talking with some people yesterday. Can we use the technology of dating apps to connect seniors with skills and at-home students with needs just for, for simple tutoring? Are there ways to think differently about 
how people just build communities? Are there ways to focus on the people who are right at home? I mean, if you're in a, a household of two, as I am, that's like a lot of closeness, but that's also an opportunity. And mm -hmm. people are, you know, lots of people live lives with physical proximity to people uh, who they, they just are, are going past. Or we have this kind of sense of, of intimacy as Instagram posts. And I think we're gonna have to really figure out what is the intimacy at the core of our human identities and how can we get it in the best and healthiest possible way in the context of our new reality. And I definitely agree with that. I think that there is, there's going to come a point, depending on how long it goes on, but there's going to come a point where you will feel like you're going stark raving mad because you can't watch another episode of something on Netflix and you'd actually have to sit and have a real conversation with the person in front of you, which most people are actually n not necessarily consciously, but certainly unconsciously avoiding that level of intimacy. And this brings well, up the potential. Yeah, we can help them because, yeah. you know, if you're at home and if it's hard, I think, why, why don't we have, I mean, virtual therapy or just series of questions of the the uh, paper, the revised paperback version of Hacking Darwin's coming out on April 7th. It has a reader's guide with listing questions people can discuss. Like why not have books, have a national reading list or people are reading poetry. Yeah, I just think that we have to find new ways to connect and new forms of meaning and they're out there, but not everybody knows how to get them. And that's yeah. why you know, those of us who are kind of thinking this way have a real responsibility and an opportunity to help that. Well, I think you just said it, that this is a responsibility to respond in a different way. But at the same time, and I'm sorry, I got to come back to it. Um, there is also the fear and anxiety because, um, you know, we're talking about potential for mass migration. Um, yeah. And then you're going to get borders and walls and, and all those kinds of things. And at the simple... A domestic level, um, people are right now, even a week into this, uh, really, I mean, it's longer than a week, but it's a week of yeah. panic, where people are living in very serious fear of eviction. And they're like, yeah. you know, well, we could be out on the street, we've gone from middle class, or even a appearing to be upper middle class, to yeah. being homeless, um, in a matter of how long i don't know right so um if the government steps in and says well you can't evict people okay great then as you said there's a you know every, I, one of my pieces in the work that i do as a strategist is say what is the solution to the problem that's obvious and people say that and I go, okay now let's look five levels and they go what do you mean so the example i use all the time is you know i like electric cars i think they're cool great and I want to take care of the planet better. Great. So I buy electric car. Yes. Fantastic. Is that good? Yes. Mm, yes. But let's look at next. Um, how does this electric car get around? By electricity. Fantastic. Where do I get the electricity? Uh, I plug it in. And where does that come from? From the grid. The grid's really old and it's fallen apart. And it's mostly fired by gas, which is coming from fracking, and from coal. Mm, there's some water, yes, but, oh, okay, that's not so good on the planet. 
Then on the other side of that, what am I, what, what is actually getting charged? Well, the battery, where does that come from? Oh, well, what it's made of, where does that come from? Well, that comes from Africa. How do we get that? Well, actually, those batteries are used for child labor. So we're increasing child labor in the world, child slavery in the world. We're destroying a grid that is really old and is falling apart, that's being powered by, by this very thing you're trying to get rid of. Mm, we've not really solved the problem. And this is my concern with where we're at today, that we might be trying to solve a problem and creating five level deep, bigger problems. Right. And so, yes, I think it's important for us to be community minded. Yes, I think we should all be rallying together. I'm definitely in favor of that. But I'm also concerned about the nitty gritty person at the bottom who is saying, right. Jesus, I don't even know if I'll have any food or anywhere to live, but my kids could be on the street. Yeah, and, and yes, and that's why um, we need to be thinking about all of these things now. And that's why we really need to be, to be looking out for, uh, for each other. And the government, it's not just a government job, it's an everybody, it's an everybody job. And this is, as I was saying before, this is war. And at a moment of war is when we really need to come together and, and look out for one another because the government, governments don't know how to respond. This is so new, it's happening so quickly. And we'll, we'll get there. I mean, we'll certainly make, make progress, but now is the time when everybody needs to, needs to pitch in. So I hope that nobody's evicting anybody. I hope that no one's, and I've, I've gotten here, at least in New York, got messages from the power uh, company. If you don't pay your bill, we're not gonna shut you off. We're not gonna shut off your phones. Um, all that's gotta happen. Um, but it, these are all, this will be systemic. So it's going to take a long time. At the end of the second world war, uh, growth basically got us out of it here in, in, in right. the US and also in Canada. We just borrowed tons of money and then we had such massive economic growth um, that the amount that we borrowed wasn't that uh, significant a portion of our overall economy. And, but that may not be the case uh, coming, out of, uh, coming out of this. So we're gonna have to think differently. And then there's the whole geopolitical overlay um, where this crisis definitely began in China. Mm -hmm. um, it is massively exacerbated because the, the Chinese government hugely screwed up over the first um, three to five weeks when it, the whole thing could have just been stopped in its tracks. Mm -hmm. um, but now, at least at this early phase of the process, it looks like, and this could change, that China is positioning itself to massively capitalize on the chaos that it itself created. So there'll be geopolitical implications. There'll be, you know, if this gets worse, as I believe it will, um, there'll be opportunistic bad guys who will say, hey, this is a moment. I've been waiting for a moment like this to do something. And it's going to be very, very difficult um, to, to respond as effectively as we otherwise might. And that's why, again, all hands on deck. We're all going to need to work together. So, so what's your thoughts on the latest report that there's been no new cases in China and even the Apple stores have opened? Yeah, which, so um, which I guess is a measure. <laughs> yeah, well, or it's that, that Apple didn't dare shut their stores in 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 China because of the way the, the because of the dictates of the Chinese government. Sure. First, as a, just as a matter of principle, you can't fully trust um, statistics um, put out by the Chinese government. But 
from what we know, it appears very likely um, that, that China, that the cases of the infection have certainly peaked and been for now significantly controlled in, in China. And they have um, gone to extraordinary measures, things that wouldn't be possible in a democratic uh, society. But it looks like that it's worked. When they take their, their foot off the pedal, um, will there be a resurgence? It could be. Mm -hmm. um, but then, like everybody else, they'll have to clamp down um, to, to, uh, to bring it back. But that's the, the thing is if, if China is able to get through this or you know, countries like, um, like Singapore, places like Taiwan are able to get through this, that's a real advantage because if you have, I mean, like you could at the Second World War, uh, the United States and Canada were able to function our economies were able to thrive in the Second World War. And at the end of the war, we were kind of the last ones standing. And that's how the entire global order shifted, that the European powers, who had been dominant for so long, were just decimated. They'd gone mm -hmm. into such debt in order to pay for the, for the war that the, the whole global order shifted. And that's, I think that is what Chinese leaders are thinking could very well come out of this. And, that, and that's why leadership in the United States has to be both about addressing this crisis, healing the nation, but looking at the bigger picture implications. Well, then, then we're back to what some believe is a conspiracy theory, but there is considerable evidence. The 2025 plan out of China, which mm. most people are not particularly aware of, which was the new Silk Road, which is for global economic dominance. And that, you know, they wrote about that, they've produced papers on that, they, they have the infrastructure already in Africa to do that. They're doing in Africa what the Dutch, the British, and the French did um, with building infrastructure and putting in massive loans and really taking over their economies. Yep. That's already happening, right? Yeah, no, so, so China, so as I mentioned, I also have a, uh, Asia geopolitics uh, background. And so even before this crisis, yeah. China had set a goal of being the world's leading power um, by the year 2049 um, and is moving very aggressively in that, in that direction. And for me, I'm certainly a patriotic American. I, I love what this country stands for. I also love other countries, mm -hmm. including Canada. Um, but um, for, I don't, I wouldn't want to live in a world made in China's image. I wouldn't mm -hmm. want to live in a world where putting a million Uyghurs in concentration camps is okay, um, where you can seek to totally squash uh, Tibetan culture, where everybody is surveilled and doesn't dare speak their minds, where maybe 55 million people died as a result of Mao's um, policies and no one can criticize him and you, you still have his picture in, in, in Tiananmen Square. I wouldn't want to live in a world based on that, on, on those principles. But we don't want that. We better make sure that we are working to champion our values. And when we have a president of the United States who's denigrating America's best values as much as the Chinese are, well then, who is defending those, those principles? Yeah, there's the Canadians, 
the French, the Germans and, and individuals and others, um, but it's not enough. So if we want to defend the world that our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents have died to create and fought to create, we better do it. Yeah, we are definitely, I mean, even if, uh, if we are having this conversation today and there was no coronavirus epidemic terrifying uh, news cycle, you and I, I believe, because I know what I had laid out for our conversation, would still be talking about that I believe we are at the brink of a revolution, um, not a pitchforks revolution, but uh, a technological revolution, uh, an economic revolution, a, a change in the world is imminent and is already pushing yep. forward. This is just the tsunami version of it. It comes and it's washing over everybody universally and doesn't matter where you are, you are going to get impacted by this in some way, shape or form. So we are definitely, you know, we're, this really makes us go wake up a little bit. Yep. And at the same time, for, for sanity, we also have to realize this too shall pass. Yes. It, 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 when it passes, we may not be the same, but we'll pass. Yes. yes. This is a wave that was already flowing. Yes. And now it's turned into a tsunami. And right. it will pass, but exactly as you said, because it's a tsunami, once it passes, the world and its wake will look very different. And that's why we need to be thinking about not just what is that world, what do we want the world to look like, but also what are the values that should guide our process for creating that world? And coming back to what you mentioned before, and who are we? Who are we now? What do we stand for? How are we living our lives to get ready to be champions of the world that we want to build? I mean, that's what this moment is about. And there's certainly unbelievable sadness that we're all going to face over these coming weeks and months. I mean, if the fatality rates are as they appear to be, we're all going to know people who we love um, who could be, be harmed in, in, in some way. And that there's so much pain in that and we can't minimize that or look past it or just say, oh, isn't this a great moment of opportunity? But it's one of those trying moments where we have to think about and even mourn things that were lost, um, but think about what do we want to build? Like what, how do we want to honor the people, the doctors who may die keeping other, people's, other people safe? The police people, the military, the fathers and mothers, everybody who's doing things to keep us going and some of them as always is the case will be lost and how do we want to honor them how do we want to honor the founding principles of our country and the un charter uh in our actions going uh going forward and that's you know i think back i mean you asked me for my my the speech i would give now if i was um president of the united states i also have a speech that I gave to my friends and my bathroom mirror on <laughs> September 12th, in September 12, 2001. Right. And that speech went something like this. So we've been attacked by these terrorists. And I just want to say, 
all of these terrorists, anyone who helped them, anyone who touched this attack in any way, however tangentially, um, we're gonna kill you. And we're not gonna rest. It may take one year, it may take two years, it may take 10 years. I guarantee you, you will be dead before your natural time. At the same time, we recognize that our world is broken and a world where billions of people don't have access to education, healthcare, clean water, sanitation, that is not a stable world for everyone. And so while we mourn the people who we lost and hunt and murder every single person who was involved in doing this, we're calling on all of the countries and all of the people in the, in, of the world to join us in this effort to fix our broken system. Will you join us? And had we done that, every country would have joined us. We mm -hmm. could, and we would have, frankly, we would have built a pandemic surveillance infrastructure that could have even helped us respond better uh, to this. But instead, we gave in to our demons. We gave in to our our warmongering and this de desire to otherize and say, oh, we're going to attack the Iraqis who didn't even have anything to, to do with 9-11. With and so we can't let our response to crises make us and the world worse. We have to rally behind our most sacred values, even at times like this, especially at times especially like this. When, when you think about what's going on uh, with this uh, virus and its implications, like I said, economically, politically, as well as obviously health and, and to stable life, mm -hmm. what do you think is the thing that is most misunderstood? Because you're, you know, you're on CNN, you're on these shows, you're being asked for your opinions on these things. Yeah. And you must get a lot of misunderstanding coming at you. What do you think is the most misunderstood thing? You know, I, th I think the average person, at least in this country, feels that we've invested more in our public health infrastructure than we have. Um, the average mm -hmm. person who, I, I know Dr. Tedros, uh, who's incredible, from the director general of the WHO from my WHO work, the average person thinks, oh, we have this WHO and I'm seeing Dr. Tedros on TV every night. That must be a really powerful organization because God knows we need them now. But if you said, no, actually we've massively cut our public health um, infrastructure, um, the World Health Organization doesn't have anything like the resources it needs to, to do a job, its job, the person would say, what do you mean? What am I paying my taxes for? I thought that was, was, mm -hmm. was what this was. Um, you know, I think that the average person, I hope they're waking up here in the United States where there's been this debate about single payer national uh, health system, where people the, in the old days, it was, I'm not going to let somebody take away my health care. I don't want death panels. Well, we have death panels now because we don't have enough health care to go around. We aren't able to allocate healthcare resources, and so we're, we're doing death panels. And if we had a kind of national health system, 
we would at least be able to allocate resources toward addressing this, this crisis. If the United States, which spends around 18% of our GDP, spent the eight or 9% that every advanced country around the world has, we uh, spends, we would have more than enough resources, not just to address this crisis, but to address the financial implications of this, of this crisis. And so at least here in, in the United States, I, I think people don't understand this, not just the systemic problems that make responding more difficult, but their own personal contribution to exacerbating those systemic problems because they've been fed these little sound bites like uh, it's not the government's money, it's your money, or we're not gonna let the government take away your healthcare, or don't let them do death panels, and all these kinds of things. When all those pathologies play out over time, you wind up with a dysfunctional system. But at times like of crisis like this, people expect the system is functional. And so something more is required of people, and certainly of citizens now, that we all have to think systemically, not just voting or like, I'm not gonna let someone take my guns, um, but about how do we wanna be organized? I mean, this is, it's almost like a new constitutional moment. If the founding fathers of the United States had gotten together and they said, all right, what are the principles upon which we're gonna found this country? And someone said, oh, it's uh, the only principle that really matters is guns, Every, everything else to hell with it. It's okay, well, that's, we have a, one sentence constitution, everybody gets to have a gun and we wouldn't be here. So everybody just imagine you are at the constitutional convention for whether it's your family, your community, your country or our world. And if you were that, if you're Ben Franklin or you're John Adams or whatever, what are your responsibilities? Coming back to your theme of curiosity, what do you need to know so that you can make smart decisions for the benefit of everybody? And God knows you're sitting at home with plenty of time on your hands and you've, you've already watched the Breaking Bad reruns and eventually <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be at Leave it to Beaver. So you may as well start doing your civic duty because our, our country needs you. Yeah, that's a very good point. We're gonna come up, we're gonna take a little break and then we're gonna come back in our last section. Uh, and and sort of bring all this together uh, in some form of cohesive. Good, it is sort of something that might yep. you know we'll make a little loaf out of it, a little challah out of it. Good, okay. yeah, exactly. We'll be back in one minute. Okay.